Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, perhaps you have picked up this year, our our whole ministry season has the theme of a simple word, one. And throughout this year, we're going to talk about many different ones. We just finished five weeks of talking about having one mission. But now with the election that's just a couple of weeks away, less than a couple of weeks away, actually, and all of the unrest and the division that's going on in our country, I suspect that something which is probably heavy on every one of our hearts is the desire for us to be one nation. And I thought about the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, where it says one nation under God. But the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's, that's actually a little bit backwards, isn't it? Because it takes under God and makes it the subordinate clause to one nation. So what I decided to do is to title this the other way around, Under God, One Nation. Because if there's ever hope that we could have one nation, it's got to be in that order. Amen? you got to be kidding me. Amen? Amen. There we go. All right. Good. The people at home are louder than you all here. Come on. Let's look. All right. Amen. So, it may seem, as I mentioned in the beginning, though, as we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about American politics and the political situation that we're in, as we're also this week in commemorating the Reformation, like, how's that going to work? How's that all going to go together? But of course, if you know Reformation history, you know that it was a time that was also filled with politics, corruption, and and power, and, and money. And in fact, if it were not for the German princes, the politician of Martin Luther's day, if they had not protected him from the emperor and from the pope, then he would have been reduced to ashes at the nearest stake and with him his entire movement. But see, that just goes to show you that once again, this theme of being under God, how true it is. It may seem like right now things have spun completely out of control. Maybe we feel like things are beyond redemption in our country. But even a story like Martin Luther's story reminds us that God acts within and He acts through human history. It is all under God. It is under His almighty power, His sovereignty, and He works it all within His divine plan. So despite the politics of Luther's day, and partly through the politics of his day, the Lord worked. He worked through this otherwise unknown small-town monk to ring out his message of freedom, of truth, once again. Now, this was not a new message, and it wasn't a new truth that Luther somehow discovered. But the corruption and the distortions and the abuses within the church of his day was keeping this freedom and this truth from the hearts 
of God's people. And it was this young, small-town monk who studied the Holy Scriptures, and the Scriptures all of a sudden came alive to him and began to see this, this message of truth once again. It's what, as we heard in the Revelation reading, is the eternal gospel. It's what Paul talked about in our second reading from Romans when he said, For all have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now this, my friends, is the truth that sets the human heart free. When we trust not in our own efforts or in our own works to try to somehow make ourselves right with God or to win His approval or His favor, but instead what we do is we trust solely in Jesus Christ and what He has done for us in His death and in His resurrection, and that through that death and resurrection, our sins are forgiven, and that the whole thing is a gift. It's a gift that is given to us that we receive through faith. I like to compare faith to the hand of the human heart, if you would. It's like this hand within your heart that this gift of God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy is placed into that hand, into the hand of the human heart. And what do we do? We grab onto it. We cling to it. We hold onto it. That's what faith does. And then what happens is once we have that gift from God, once we are completely free from our sins and forgiven by Christ, it sets us free. Because our guilt does not control us, our fear does not control us, the desire for sin does not control us, we are free. So now that you're free, what do you want to do with your freedom? So let's go back to the American situation and the American experiment and the political climate of these days. We need to define what we mean by this word freedom. Because if you've noticed, both sides of our political spectrum use the word freedom all the time. They use it as a buzz word, and they also use it as a buzz saw. Each side's always accusing the other side of, they're trying to take away your freedom. And they're trying to create fear in our hearts. I've heard it over and over again throughout this election season. This election is about our freedom. But what do they mean? Ironically, they are both using the word freedom in the same way, though they want to talk about different freedoms. One side wants to talk about what they call freedom of choice. I can't stand that phrase, but that's what they say. Freedom of choice, freedom over your body. One other side talks about freedom, the right to bear arms. Carry your gun. The other side, freedom to marry whoever you want to marry. The other side, freedom to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And back and forth it goes over and over again. But what both sides actually mean about freedom is they're talking about the right, the license, the permission to do whatever you want to do. (laughs) But actually, that's not freedom. Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, that's right, pastor, truth, truth. That's why the freedoms that I'm talking about I've got the truth, right? The other side doesn't have the truth. I have the truth. That's why I'm right. No. (laughs) You do not have the truth. You don't have the truth as if somehow you possess it and you control it. No, the, the truth must have you. The truth, after all, is not your opinion or the opinion of the majority. 
It's not relative and it's not subjective. And actually, it's even more, though, than objective principles. The truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. And it is only when he possesses us. It's only when, as he says, we abide and we remain in his word so that he abides and he remains in us. It's only then that we know the truth. The truth that truly sets us free. You see, it's when we are under God. But so that's kind of ironic, isn't it? It sounds strange, right, that we're under God. Like, it feels like we're under His control and under His laws and His rules. That doesn't really sound like freedom, does it? Isn't freedom when you get to do whatever you want to do and make the choices you want to make? Well, that's, that's what our society says. As Dr. Phil would say, you know, how's that working out for you? The truth about humanity is that left to ourselves, we're going to go after whatever we think is going to please us and make us happy. But ironically, what it ends up doing is enslaving us. I mean, think about it. You want to go after money, you think that's going to make you happy. The next thing you know, your greed enslaves you. You want to go after sex, you think that's going to make you happy. The next thing you know, your lust enslaves you. Or your anger enslaves you and controls you. Or your need to control controls you. It's what Jesus says that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Sin begins to dictate our choices. It controls our thinking until Jesus comes and sets us free. When he forgives our sins, it sets us free from sin. Now, it not only sets us free from the sins that we've done in the past, but it sets us free from the control of sin on our life, the desire to continue to sinning. It not only sets us free from something, it sets us free for something. It's only then that we become truly free, where we can really choose, where we can actually choose to not be so selfish. And we can then choose to love. The irony, despite what maybe some would accuse him of, Jesus does not want to control your heart like a tyrant. What Jesus wants to do is give your heart back to you. A heart that is no longer controlled by all of these other things. A heart that now is able to freely love and to give. See, if you aren't in control of your heart, if you don't possess your heart, in other words, if you can't say no to certain things, you give into it over and over again, if you can't really do that, then you can't really say yes. You can't really, freely, truly give your love. I mean, when Shelly and I got married years ago and we stood at the altar and said, yeah, babe, you know, I love you and I'm going to give you my yes and I want to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you, I didn't say, oh, but you know, if somebody else comes along and I kind of really, you know, like them or whatever, I just kind of want to be able to date around too, you know? Of course not. That's not love. American democracy actually depends on the kind of freedom I'm talking about, the freedom that Christ gives to the human heart. Actually, every human society depends on this. It is the freedom that will then true, choose the true good of others before I'll even choose my own good. It's only a society that puts others before the self that can succeed. It's only a culture that truly believes that we should love our neighbor. 
that will survive. And that our neighbor is every human person from the moment of conception until natural death. That the neighbor is every human person from every nation, not just ours, from every language and from every color of skin. Christ's freedom means that I learn how to self-govern, that I have self-control, I have possession of my own heart instead of being given to self-gratification and constant self-indulgence. In other words, I no longer need laws to tell me what to do. Now I know not only what to do, I don't just know it, but it's what I want to do. It's only in Christ's freedom, and that as He gives me this sort of possession of my own heart, that when I'm given then the chance to choose absolutely anything, I mean, (laughs) the spectrum, it's all there, I can choose anything that I want, that it is only in Christ that I will choose ultimately what is good, what is true, what is of God. And when I do, it, it's then that I find fulfillment. I'll find true happiness. But without that freedom from Christ, given the free license and the permission of our society that says, do whatever you want to do, well, look around. Look what's happening to us. The selfish destruction, the complete implosion, the disintegration of our entire nation. It is a culture of death and hopelessness. That is what you get, what we're experiencing now. I love our country. And I know every one of you loves our country as well, and I bet your heart aches just like my heart aches. And yet I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I am under God. And so are each and every one of you. We are under God. And once we come to have this freedom that Jesus gives to us, then ultimately it it doesn't matter what happens. Yes, we want to continue to work for good. We want to especially honor and protect the dignity of every human being. But here's the thing. Even if our society melts down into anarchy or it's held down by tyranny, we're free. We are free. And that is the truth, and it can never be taken away from us. This is the very thing that gave Martin Luther courage. It is the very thing, it's how the martyrs were were and are today still able to suffer the way they do, to suffer imprisonment and concentration camps and torture and even death. If Jesus has given to me possession of my heart, then I am free and they can never take that away from me, no matter what. So go out and vote now in a few days. Do the best that you can with the hand that We've all been dealt, right? We may even go into the polling place and have to hold our nose because we think the whole thing stinks, actually. But as the psalmist would teach us, do not put your trust in princes or in presidents, in mortal men or women who cannot save or who might destroy you. Put your trust in the Lord because it's all under God. He will work all things for His kingdom, for His truth, and for our freedom. My friends, let us live in that freedom. If ever our nation is to experience being united, being one, 
It's going to come from the freedom of the sons and the daughters of God. Not because we won control of Washington or because we legislated our will on everybody else. No, it will come because we loved and because we won hearts for Jesus. That's our one mission. All of this reminds me of a famous scene from the movie Braveheart from many years ago with Mel Gibson. If you know the story, William Wallace is rallying his outnumbered Scottish troops. I love it. They may take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. Our freedom. It sounds kind of familiar if you were paying close attention to the words as we opened and sang A Mighty Fortress. Martin Luther wrote this. This is the last verse that we sang. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. My brothers and sisters, you came here today as free men and free women. You are forgiven by Christ. What will you do with your freedom? Freedom. 